Hey, it's Quinnaverly here, and I just wanted to quickly say that we have another book signing coming up. So we're going to be at the Indigo in Ajax, Ontario on the 24th of September from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. I'll, of course, be selling copies of my book, Arope the White Snake and Pekari the Azure Fish. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for more information about them. And if you just want to stop by and say hi to Noelle and me and talk about Lord of the Rings, you can do that too. <laughs> See you then! Welcome to Rivenpaw, the only Lord of the Rings podcast that is being assaulted by wasps! I don't know, we're having an invasion of them or something. I'm going to really. And I am Noel Sayara. And here we go! We got no notes, we got no piles of books. Uh, this is just our raw reaction to episode three of season one. That was like a fresh in our mind. <laughs> of the rings of power. So, right off the bat, um, maybe we should just start with what was your favorite scene and what was your least favorite scene. I think that would be a good way to start, because we're definitely not going to be able to go in order. No, no, no. Uh... So, what was the highlight? What was your favorite scene? Or, like, just favorite thing about this episode? Um, in line with my with my previous comments, like uh, the hardfoods, mm-hmm. I I still liking it very much, and like uh, was not uh, I mean was not different in this episode. Yeah, they definitely evolved them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't think I have a a scene that I particular particularly dislike it. it. Doesn't have to be a scene. It could be. A... Well, yeah, like um, I think. I guess for 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 put something, the orcs. I I don't know exactly what they're doing. Well, it's funny that you should say that because they're doing exactly the thing that you said would happen, which is that they're turning Mordor into Mordor. They're they're like digging tunnels everywhere yeah. because that's how they get around. I, as we see in the episode, sunlight hurts them. This is pure yes. canon. That, yeah, <laughs> nothing chance. Yeah, so this is just how they uh, have been building their army in secret and moving about. And of course, at the same time, they're destroying the landscape. So, they, you know, you see when they... They, they peek out. They peek over the top of the hill that the land is just being burnt. It is being sundered. I, I guess it is just like a... Obviously, I don't have the, the big picture yet. It's, it's all... I mean, I think it's just basically they're building the army up. Yeah, and like expanding a camp, I guess. Yeah, it's just before Sauron announces himself hmm. type of deal. But, I mean, but in general, like, the three the three main arcs, like Numenor, like the orcs and the Harfoots, I think was was good. I think I was satisfied with this episode so far. Satisfied. Is that... That's your glowing review. <laughs> well, I mean, we didn't have like a big. Well, yeah, we have a couple of peaks of, uh, of topics like uh, what Halbrand is really probably what is the main. Yeah, which, not a surprise. I think that uh, was. Yes, we can see that coming. I think that was <laughs> one of the theories, like. He's going to be a secret prince. That's what I said. Yeah. So, <laughs> check. <laughs> 
So what's about you? Well, I gotta say, when you said that you you're satisfied, I felt like that was a good reaction because my overall review is that it's just like it's okay. <laughs> you feel a transition episode. Yeah, there's a lot of exposition basically. Set up things for the future. Yeah, it was nice that they acknowledged some of the the history, especially surrounding Elrond and Elros. I, I can think of more things that I dislike right <laughs> off the bat. I dislike how the entire Elven Watch was captured off screen. I mean, yeah. Elven Warriors... I mean, from some of the scenes that we've seen just in the trailers of Arondir kicking ass, like, he's basically a one-man army. And here you have, like, half a dozen elves, and they get their asses handed to them twice in the same episode. Uh, the, I don't know. The demo can be defeated, but capture life is a completely different thing. I don't... I mean, it's not like they would have been the first elves ever to be captured alive. No, but it is... I'm just more annoyed by the fact that it was a group of them together. Like, Arondir being captured by himself, that makes sense to me, hmm. because he was alone. But seriously, you took out the entire watch? Like, I want to see that scene. <laughs> I want to know how that went down, because that's crazy to me. I don't know. I just feel if, you know, if they're ambushed, they can eventually be killed. But Bissedius, it, it feels a little, a little odd, yes. I know, I know what I liked about the episode. <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, it's been more like the first three episodes together. I've liked how they've been rolling out the characters. You know, in, in the first episode, we met the elves and we met the Southlanders. And then in the second episode, we got Khazad-dûm. And then in this episode, now we go to Numenor and we meet all of these people. So I thought that was nice, but then I got annoyed because we didn't see the dwarves yeah. or the elves in this episode, and I was like, okay. Especially I miss the dwarves. Yeah, you know, when finally when I saw them in the preview, I was just like, oh, there they are. Yeah. In the preview for episode four, that is. Yeah, so I don't know if that's like a glowing review on my part. But like you said, it was just like, it was just a transition episode, hmm. so... There was a, a lot of nice world building. Uh, like I said, I really appreciated all the Numenor stuff. Oh, yeah. It was spectacular, visually especially. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, kudos. We. Yeah. <laughs> I, but honestly, like, for their budget, I expect nothing we, less. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's like it needs to be the most amazing graphics ever for me to just be like, yeah, that's what I expected. You know? <laughs> Anything less than that is an abject failure. It, it is indeed a half billion dollar city. Yeah. <laughs> and I did like more of the stranger stuff. Uh, I like how his character is coming along. 
I didn't expect that it was in, introduced with all of I was I, so glad. I, I thought they were going to keep it in secret a little longer. But I, I hate those fucking plots, so I was just super happy. Like, just <laughs> yank that band-aid off. What have I been saying since the beginning? Like, just get to the point, yes. right? <laughs> so I really appreciated that, yeah, the other Harfoots, now they know about the stranger... I don't know how they're gonna feel about him joining to carry the the. I think I think that part is gonna need to keep it in secret. But I wonder because they didn't chase the stranger off after they found him. Like he was just standing outside the village watching them scream at Nori. So yeah, and then it's almost like they were just like, well, whatever. He's here now. Yeah, they, they kind of ignore it, like a, like a wild animal. He would just yeah, go away Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Nori said, like, he had the, a child's mind, and they could see that he wasn't, like, doing it. So maybe they were just like, okay, fine, whatever. Anyway, I, I did like, you know, okay, now I'm thinking of more things I liked. I liked the ending. I I've, That felt to me very... It, it felt like something I could have read in The Lord of the Rings... Just, you know, friends coming together. A fellowship forming, if you will. I mean, maybe it was, like, a little cheesy, like, oh, friend. But I, I kind of I, I like that sometimes, you know? Yeah, but uh, for me, all of the Harfoot uh, storyline is the cheesy counterpart yeah. of the more serious, like, a, like a businesses in I the other races. So. You know, it, it's so sincere, and... Sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of sincerity. And also, Poppy don't have family. Yeah, so when they were reading out the the Harfoots that they've lost... Oh, the, the, that was the family of Poppy. Yeah, so okay. she's, she's Poppy Proudfoot. Or was it Proud Feet? No. <laughs> Proud <laughs> but, Feet. <laughs> but yeah, they read out all her family's name and they said that... They died in a landslide. Yeah. So she's, and then you saw her by herself with her little cart. Yeah, I, I mean, like I, I, I hear that, but even cats that was like the yeah. her family, and and I see her crying, I but I thought it was the generic uh, emotion. But no, I, I thought that was very well done. Yeah, and then I saw it with her, but was a cart kind of like a, with gr- grass or hay? It's like a did she sleep there? <laughs> she didn't have a proper cart. Well, yeah, but it opens like a little shell. And she doesn't yeah, it's, it's true. They have this like a weird technology. Yeah, that, all like, the, the tops of all their carts had the, the grass. So yeah, then yeah, co- I guess collapse for transport. Well, but I want to know, so once they leave the fields and enter the forest, do they need to like change the camouflage that's on top of the cart? I'm assuming. I want to see that scene, you know? You know, they're like a chopping or gathering, yeah. just like a branches and just like a red. Yeah, like a montage from the A-Team. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 yeah, renovating the carts. And like there's strength being like a healing. I think they're, I mean, I don't, I don't know, readily accept him, but I think that they're kind of gonna just begrudgingly accept him. I hope not. It's gonna go completely against everything we I mean, saw about the Harfoot. I feel like the most likely situation is still that they're gonna get cut off from the others and, you know, decide to follow these stars or whatever. I, I think they're gonna cut off, or you're gonna have like a big fight with like a the the the, the elder. 
Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, or, uh, or maybe that's the last we'll see. <laughs> and, you know, and they just kind of, like, uh, make a decision, like, and Nori is going to be, has to maybe spell for the caravan. Well, we'll I think... We'll they, they the, ca- the caravaner. But they don't even need to expel them. They just, they fall behind, they fall behind, you know, that they're gone. They're, that's, they've basically exiled them already, you know? But I always assume that Nori, or maybe Nori plus Papi, they are the only one, but not the two parents. I think this is going to become a... Well, yeah, may, maybe. Yeah. But I think basically, you know, the... The Harfoots are going to continue on, and this, you know, Nori's whole mission, it's going to take her on a course somewhere else, but eventually she's, like, kind of come back, you know, and they're like, as they said, you know, we wait for you. Yeah. I bet you that's it. There, it's even going to be a scene where they're, like, reading from the book of those that have fallen behind, and they read out Nori and Poppy's <laughs> name, and they're like... We wait for you. And they're like, where have arrived? I'm crossing the... Rip this page out. <laughs> you know how hard is find pe- paper? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, uh, we, we saw it a little bit in the trailers, but uh, generically the um, Numenor have, like, a, this, like, a ancient, uh, like, a classic culture aesthetic. Yeah, a little bit of Greek, a little bit of Roman. Yeah, I mean, that Senate was very senate Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the clothing, it's kind of like, even the boats, like, a Roman, like the Dormons. Yeah, I think it's, it's very clear where they've gotten mm-hmm. their inspiration. And, of course, it's appropriate, because they are representing kind of a, a Roman-esque culture. You know, kind of the the greatest empire of all time, doomed to fall. The fallen, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, in general, it was nice to see um, the Argonoth-like carvings everywhere. Yeah. And, of course, the design of the palace. Uh, it has that, like, long ramp, which is the, the same aesthetic that Minas Tirith has, so... Yeah, you know, they did their research. I mean, honestly, like, it's very clear to me that the showrunners and most of the people involved with this series, they did their homework. They are clearly fans. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, they have, like, tweaked the source material a little bit. But, Um, But for the necessity of a TV show. Yeah, but mostly. it seems very clear to me that they they love it. And even, like, all these little details that they throw in. And I think they're also not talking down to the audience. You know, when they have a moment where they talk about, like, Elrond and Elros being brothers. But they don't explain but too anyway, much. That fresco. Oh, my God, it was amazing. <laughs> we rub it out of my just face. They literally, like... <laughs> Cut out a picture of his face and pasted it on. Oh, I, 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 I almost died in, in that moment. It was amazing. It was amazing. But, uh, yeah, the, despite I missed the, the drawers, more than the drawers, more than the nerves, yeah. I, I kind of like, a, I think the work, like, because when you have too many locations and you're like jumping back and forth, back and forth, you don't have time to really enjoy any no, of that. I think like it's a, a good plot. move. Yeah. So I, it's better to spend a little bit more time in each place and allow you to develop, uh, give you a little more continuity. 
Because if not, every time the jump to a new location, it's like, a, what, what was the last thing that happened yeah. here? You know, like, you need to think. Yeah. You're kind of dancing that much, like, kind of like a lost track. So I, I, I like that, this part. I, I miss the doors. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we saw in the preview for episode four, there will be much dwarf activity. Yeah, so we got that to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And of course, Elrond's punchable face. <laughs> <laughs> so punchable. <laughs> and, and I think like the, the, the climax of the... Well, the climax, the, the, the last scene of the episode. Yes, of course. So the big cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, that didn't seem an arc. But he wouldn't, would he? Because he's supposed... I mean, so that is... I mean, they basically called him Sauron already. Now, is it actually? We'll see. But they said um, their leader was named Adan. And then the elves were like, why does he have an elven name? And they're like, oh, it's probably Sauron. Wink. <laughs> so, of course, they're telling us it's Sauron. Which kind of puts up my, you know, alarms a little. So, so, so it's not. Like, it's probably not, but but maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then as we see the figure approach at the end, even though it's blurry, it is obviously an elf, which is keeping somewhat with the canon because in the Second Age he did appear as an elf. Don't worry, we'll explain all of this in the next episode in the analysis. <laughs> but yeah, so basically the figure approaching at the end, it looked Alvin. Or, or, or at least humanoid, like, uh, but not, not an orc. No, so it's quite possibly Sauron. Like, maybe, maybe they're not trying to be sneaky. You know, we're really, we're the ones who have decided that Sauron is a secret character, right? I know. <laughs> Maybe they're just like, okay, here's Sauron. Like, let's... Let's move. Let's just move on. And hey, I would appreciate it, to be honest. I, I would appreciate it. <laughs> but I'm still considering that can be a, an Esterling. Yeah, it might just be and, a dude, and, like and one of the commanders. One of the main commanders. And they try to be like, ooh, yeah. oh, no, okay. So. Maybe like Halbrand's cousin or something. Yeah, exactly. Who's, who's <laughs> sworn allegiance to Sauron. That can be disappointing, but also... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know where they're taking this whole Hallbrand story. It's like, okay, so we've confirmed that he's a secret prince and the one true king of the Harad, whatever. But, like, we know that the Southlands are gonna just burn and there's gonna be nothing left. So, I mean... It is why we didn't hear about this king. <laughs> Like, so his, is that it? Like, he's just, he dies in the end and he fails and that's, that's the end of that story? Like, that's so anticlimactic. Yeah. So, like, they gotta have something else planned for him. I guess. I mean, I'm assuming that, like, uh, will be maybe part of, like, a... Oh, well, speaking of other things they have planned for him, as I sarcastically predict <laughs> they do indeed seem to be playing with a certain flirtation I know between oh, oh, Galadriel obvi and Hallbrand I mean obviously you saw it coming a mile away but I really you know it's one thing to kind of like joke about it 
But then to see it, I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I didn't like it at all. I, uh, but especially as the episode is going, and see Harbrand was the kind of like a uber-confident dude. Yeah, he doesn't it, it get is like the a, Yeah, like a, he's gonna hit on you, Galadriel. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I feel like Galadriel would not be swayed by that kind of cockiness. No, on the opposite. It's, it, <laughs> it, it, it's like, I'm gonna cut your fingers. Yeah, but <laughs> when he gives again. her the knife back, she's all like, mm, who's this now? Like, she's into it. I, I guess he was impressed for like the the, the recovery maybe she was still knife. suffering from sunstroke I don't know yes he, he's heavily dehydrated <laughs> so maybe that's something that they're gonna build up with his character I really hope that, that I still think he's gonna end up as a ring wraith like if if we're if now yeah. we're saying he's the king of Harad then or the king of the well, Southland. He, he's the king of Mordor. He's the king Let's of Mordor. Let's just say it. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's what it is. So he... he's got to be a ring wraith. Like, he's either going to die, like, nobly or... And, bo- and boringly. <laughs> <laughs> or become a ring wraith. The Mazmer better. Which is way better. I, I'm down with that. And it's canon, because we don't know about the other guys, so don't contradict anything. Yeah, it's real vague. We we know that they were kings, wizards, and warriors. And powerful beings. Yeah, so. so they really could be anyone. It's a clean slate. And they should play with it. I, I, I will be into it, yeah. I think it would be really fun to, like, you know, meet these human characters and maybe just not realize that they're going to end up as ring race. So, you know, like Theo's another candidate. And <laughs> if, you know, we obviously need to meet more humans along the way. Well, so, it was kind of, we cover everything. Well, <laughs> well we, we cover everything. Well, that's why we're going to have to have a second episode. Well, we, 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 we cover our, our first impressions. So let me just do a quick mind scan if, I, if there was anything else I wanted to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah, that fucking symbol. <laughs> yeah, it's not an E. It's a map. Of course, the best part about... Galadriel's discovery, <laughs> you know, she, she she turns the mark to the side and she kind of gasps to realize that it's a map and then she puts it down on a table, which also happens to be a map right next to Mordor, just so the audience can see, oh look, it's a map. Uh, and in a fairly similar scale, so you, yeah. you, you, you kind of like, a, you, you can almost overlap it. It was literally designed <laughs> to be compared yeah. against that map. Oh, they can do that thing where they put like a, in a carving and then put like a, with a pencil on top. <laughs> Of course, that just kind of raises more questions because I think she reads out and says that this is like their plan. Like, this is what we do if Morgoth is defeated. So this mark definitely wouldn't have been used until after Morgoth's death. Which is just annoying me because Finrod had it carved into him. And again, he died before Morgoth did, but whatever. But obviously, the plan was made but what? before. We're gonna carve a map of our master plan into an elf? Like, why? That doesn't make any sense. But it's styly. I don't know. It's, it's branding, Elise. It's branding. <laughs> I think <laughs> Sauron was here. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I Actually, I did have a different pick for... The scene that I liked the best, or the thing that I liked about the episode, the best, 
Uh, it is the tree, believe it or not. <laughs> like in, in Mordor? Yeah, in Mordor there's a whole scene where they, the orcs are telling them to destroy a tree and the elves are just like, fuck that noise. I mean, I, I appreciated it because, of course, the elves share a very, like, special bond with trees. I mean, the elves basically... You know, they used to talk to the trees. The trees are their friends. And it felt like, again, like, it, it felt like something that could have been from the Lord of the Rings. Like, it felt in keeping with the spirit. Very and that's why I like that in the middle of the nonsense, like, uh, fighting scenes, he grabbed a splinter <laughs> from the tree and yeah. killed an orc with it. <laughs> yes, the tree's revenge! <laughs> So it was cheesy and poetic all at once. It's beautiful. Yes, and, uh, it beautiful. <laughs> I like all it. around is a nice beginning, middle, and end <laughs> to the tree arc. <laughs> Galadriel being a ninja around Numenor. Yeah. It was. <laughs> I mean, like he was like Prince a pretty ninja once. <laughs> Especially in in that dress, that is not exactly like a, like a design. To I mean. I think physically an elf would be able to do something like yes. that. It still does look a little funny. <laughs> uh, also, something that I just couldn't help but notice. It, it was less noticeable when the only people she was talking to were elves. But she's very short. Like, really short. Like, like what... In every scene when she was, like, next to another person, like, talking to them, she's always looking up at them. <laughs> and, of course, I mean, it's a stupid little nitpick, but aren't elves supposed to be very tall? Or, or, or unless over-average? I mean, I know standards. probably some Tolkien nerds are screaming at me and saying that, yes, the Numenorians were also very tall, so maybe compared to the Numenorians, she... Well, <sighs> She would probably still be around the same height. But, like, look at Halbrand. He's way taller than her, too. Yeah. He is not a Numenorean. And I get it. You Maybe you can't cast, like, a six-foot actress or whatever. I don't see why not, actually. But Yeah, but... Uh... I mean, the same with um, Elendil. He's supposed to be, like, uh, like well over two meters tall. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, that comes from his uh, elven blood. But yeah, I don't know, dumb, dumb little things to nitpick about. But I, I mean, you never noticed it in the first two episodes. No. But now I really notice it, and I can't stop thinking about it. I just, uh, she's way too short, man. That made me think that Robert Amayo is also pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's taller than her. Not, not no, not much. <laughs> But well, he is not surrounded by dwarves, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about in the next mm -hmm. episode, in the analysis. I think it was a fun episode. Um, yeah. I mean, so we'll, we'll give you all the, all the deets about the Numenorians in the next episode. Do we need a quote? I don't know. Are we doing quotes for everything? Yes. Give me a book. Book me! You gave me three books. <laughs> <laughs> Vengeance of Sauron lives on, though he may be dead. There is cunning and design here. We have no hope of help. Moria and Lorien are now far behind, and Thranduil four days march ahead. And we bear burdens of worth beyond all reckoning.
appropriate. I think so. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We were the first, and we will be the last. From Morgan James Fiction comes the exciting new historical fantasy Orope, the White Snake, by Guinevere Lee. The whispers of the gods have seen the vision, the gods destroying the world in a flood because the old ways have been corrupted and forgotten. Three are chosen, Tersh, Kareth, and Shadi, to go out and warn the world. The gods must be appeased. In Orope, the White Snake, Tersh must leave her children and travel to Matawe, the kingdom in the mountains. She also must care for Kareth and keep him out of trouble. Kareth, told since birth that he is destined for greatness, has been expecting this moment. Certain that he is ready, he quickly discovers that his confidence and curiosity have a tendency to lead him into dangerous situations. Shadi finds himself traveling alone to find the people of the jungle, the Petsahalpa, the jungle seems like a paradise until he discovers the darker rituals practiced within. Samaki is a merchant who returns to Mahat to find his home destroyed, his father dead, and no one to buy his expensive cargo. With his first mate Tuhark, the merchant struggles to move forward after his entire world has been upended. The stories of these four travelers intersect and entwine with each other as they move towards their destinations. Guided by visions, the whispers must use their wits to survive in these strange new lands that would rather use them as political pawns than listen to their warnings. Available in paperback, digital, and audio wherever books are sold. To learn more, visit GuineveerLee.com. G-U-E-N-E-V-E-R-E-L-E-E.com. And thank you for listening. Music provided by Bensound.com. Hikari, the Azura Fish, is the thrilling sequel to Orope, the White Snake. Orope introduced historical fiction fans to a unique fantasy world inspired by Bronze Age history and mythology. Hikari takes them further, going to new kingdoms and introducing new characters. The gods are still angry, but the whispers of the gods are closer than ever to saving the world from a terrible flood. Kareth is still working for the powerful Imota. Kareth hopes Imota will help him deliver his message to the ruler of Mahat. But everything changes when the sorcerer Dedelian takes an interest in him. After the winter snows have melted, Tersh decides to head into the mountain kingdom of Matawe to reach the city of Mesete. Lost in this strange land, she must rely on the help of Tuthalia, a soldier with an unknown past who plans to return home and start a family. Shadi's journey seems doomed by the death of their leader, but the Hunter case set promises to lead them through the jungle. There are sinister things in the jungle, though, and their journey is beset by disease and attacks from wild animals. Samaki sails east, a last attempt to make a good trade that will save his livelihood. The Middle Sea has changed since Samaki last sailed, though, and the waters are rife with the ruthless sea people. Continue this wonderful journey through the fantasy world of Picari, the Azure Fish, the sequel to Orope the White Snake. Ebook, paperback, and audiobook out now. You can buy it on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, Barnes and Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, please go to the website guineverlee.com.
Uh, let's just go through the episode really quickly. So, what was the first scene we like? Uh, I think in the boat. It was on the boat. Yeah. So then, after that, then they arrive, and then they talk to the Queen Regent. Why is she the Queen Regent? I don't know. And... And then he just escaped. <coughs> and then eventually he he ride the horse and put the most horrible face. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> it was a moment. Um, and then they go to the library and they say, Oh, it's not an E. 